2: Hello, welcome along to Writer's Routine. This week we're chatting to Femi coyote His new novel is Gaslight. It's the second in the Philip Taiwo Why Done It series. We chat about boring fonts that keep you focused. Also why he's not interested in finding out the who and the what. And you can hear what he tells himself when he's struggling getting the draft done. Don't
3: put the pressure off. The perfect sentence. Don't put the pressure of the perfect word. You know, uh, I mean, I've known when those things happen to forget the name of, of a main character and I write. Uh, you know who <laughs> I'm working. You know because I, I truly, truly believe that you cannot critique a blank
2: page. There is more with Femi Coyote in this week's writers' routine. Welcome along to the show. This is Writer's Routine, and my name's Stan Simpson. Thank you so much for listening in and for following and sharing and subscribing and doing all of that. Uh, This is a show where we take a look through an author's working day, where we try and help and steal, steal probably, some secrets just to help us plan our day and our lives around trying to get the book published. And in almost 300 episodes of this show, the biggest debate that we have is whether... You need to be a pantser or a plotter. What about you? Do you meticulously plot? Do you outline? Do you know exactly where your story is going? Or do you make it up? Do you fly by the seat of your pants? Well, if you're a pantser, here is something that might help. We are supported this week by the writing software Plotter. And even though it's called Plotter, it works really well for pantsers too. It's got all the tools on there to assist in taking the few ideas that you have and fleshing them out. It's like having a notebook with you on your computer all the time, so it's always there. And it's a notebook that gives you help because they've got proven plot templates from some of the best writers around, which can give you a nudge, a pointer, maybe an idea on what could happen next. Have you thought about this? Well, these writers have done this before. Maybe that might help. Maybe this kind of thing might swerve your story in the right direction. If you ever find yourself a bit stuck with your pantsing, In the simplest way, Plotter lets you track all the details of your plot at a scene level and switch swap and use them however you'd like, without losing track of your details on anything at all. It helps you strip back to see what's important and what you need to focus on. And they are supporting the show, so the best way for you to see what it does and how helpful it can be is by getting to go.plotter.com slash routine and taking a look around while you're there. Here's the best part. You can get 10% off the software with this show. To get the deal, use the code that is in the episode notes wherever you're listening. I've stuck it there. It's go.plotter.com slash routine for 10% off. This week on the podcast, we're chatting to Femi Coyote. Femi has been busy, been busy all over the place doing all sorts. He trained in clinical psychology in Nigeria. He worked in advertising, he's written for primetime TV shows, he studied creative writing in the UK. His debut, Lightseekers, was a book of the month in many national newspapers. It was long listed for the Crime Writers Association Gold Dagger Award too. Uh, The juggernaut of crime writing prizes. His new book is Gaslight. It's the second in this series, which is a why-done-it rather than a who or a what. And we follow investigative psychologist Philip Taiwo, who has been urgently called in to investigate the disappearance of the First Lady of a Nigerian megachurch. We talk about why boring fonts keep him focused. Also, we get into the deep end with chapter titles. That See, this is the nitty-gritty that we're here for, chapter titles. How, for uh, for Femi, they are uh, about what he's hoping will come in the next thousand or so words he thinks the chapter titles gives him an element of control over the characters you can also hear how his family deal with him taking time away to write alone and what he's learned from many different careers and studies in different places how that has all affected the novels now i will say the audio isn't absolutely perfect But there is really enough in there uh, to merit you listening and to merit this time. And I'm very thankful for it. So let's jump into it with Femi Coyote talking about what he sees around him in the place where he sits down to write.
3: I work mostly in the middle of the night. (laughs) So my view is actually not that spectacular. And my favourite working place is my dining table in the middle of... The house and surrounding me is just the most amazing scenery of hills and uh, mountains and valleys of the Namibian uh, landscape. So I tend to sort of like open the windows and just lift up my eyes and sort of see the moon. Namibia is a very beautiful place. And then I get back to work again. I'm always, always on my, on my, um, What's the word? Um, my iPod. So I have uh, playlists of um, for concentration. I have playlists for when I'm excited. Uh, when I'm trying to write an action scene, I try to play rock music or alternative rock. When I'm trying to write something that is a bit emotional. I try to play R&B. And then when I want to write something a bit fun, I like country music because it can be very witty. <laughs> uh, so I have different playlists for different moods. And um, basically that's it. And then I just hit the ground running.
2: Um, it, well, it sounds spectacular and very inspirational with the scenery around you. Have you got anything in the dining room when you're working? that lets you know what you're there to do that you're there to write I mean do you have notepads with your plot points on it have you got uh, post-it notes
3: with things that you need to get done Um, I do that a lot when I go away to write. So there are times when, let's say over the weekend, for instance, and I'm behind on a deadline, because I do have a day job, right? Uh, And I'm behind on a deadline. Um, I would take uh, a weekend off, go um, to a lodge. We have lots of lodges here. I would get an Airbnb. And then I would take my... uh, Flip chat with me and lots of post-it notes, and then I will surround the room with all of those. But that only happens when I leave home. Um, um, so it's it's very, very important that we, that I, 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 when I go away and I pay for that accommodation to write, it's very important for me to surround myself with only information about the, 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 um, the story that I'm writing. But I only do that when I'm away. But in the dining room, this is a very good question. In the dining room, no, I don't. Like, it's only me, myself, and my laptop, and my headphones. And I like to look up because from my dining table, I can see my children's room, I can see my room, I can see the kitchen. And then it makes me feel as if I'm um, sort of protected and the kids come out sometimes and they would say well done dad and they go back into the room and then i feel i don't feel so alienated (laughs) by the story but the reality of the matter is that i don't i don't do all of that um pasting reminders all around the world unless i travel
2: Uh, and you take a flip chart with you you said when you are traveling it helps you uh, get down to it because you're, you're paying for your time, this place and an accommodation to write, what kind of things would we see written on the flip chart, Femi?
3: Yeah, I would say, um, depends on where I am in writing the story. So if, I, if I'm still plotting the story, I would write uh, bullet points of things that I need to remember or milestones that I need to hit in terms of um, a particular character and things like that. Um, or what's, this, what's the goal of this chapter? This particular chapter is supposed to do this, this, this. Uh, what's the reveal for that chapter? I would have little post-it notes for that. Um, as you know, my character also uses post-it notes a lot. So I also sometimes simulate the mystery itself, the case itself, and try to see how he would solve it. And so I would paste that on the wall um, in different colors, uh, and then when I'm in the editing mode, uh, I, I will take my editor's notes and then break them down into Post-it notes. Then I'll paste them around. So it's, to, it, it's two different purposes uh, at that point, uh, depending on where I am in the phase of writing. The first one being that it's a brainstorming thing where I use it to arrange my thoughts. Then the editing phase is to remind me of the notes that the editors have given or the beta readers have given
2: Uh, We get quite technical on the show. We're very interested in what it is that you're writing on. So, Femi, like very importantly, uh, what are you writing on? What software do you use as well? And most importantly, what font, what typeface are you using?
3: (laughs) That's not technical. (laughs) When, When I am trying very hard to get into the mood of writing, one of the things that I try to do is to look for the font that excites me. That's not the font that I use to submit. So the font for that particular chapter can change because it's what caught my fancy. Um, then I would write in that because I like it. But then when I put everything together, I can change everything to Times New Roman, for instance, or Arial. Uh, but I try to choose as boring a font as possible so as not to distract Um um, to, not to distract my editors. Uh, I'm also a bit old school where that's concerned. I'm a writer. I'm not a graphic designer. So I try to keep it as plain as possible so that you're not distracted by the fonts, but rather you're you're, you're you're focused on the story that's unfolding on on the screen. So I don't... I, I, yeah. So while I'm writing, I select the fonts that catches my fancy. I write. When I'm submitting. I select... I just select all and change everything to the most boring possible fonts
2: <laughs> you um you mentioned listening to music and how you'll select the music that goes along with what you're writing, right? So if you want to be cheered up, it's country or it may be film scores or kind of r and b. Is it the same with your fonts if you're writing a particularly thrilling chapter, will that change what type of font you're using?
3: I actually never thought about it like that, but maybe I do that. I don't know. I just know that for every chapter or for every storyline that I'm thinking about, I try to just look for a font that I like. Um, but I've, I've never linked it to the mood I'm trying to create. I've never linked that. The music is the, important. The, the music is important, um, the music is important uh, because... Um, Yes, the music sets the mood for me, but the font does not necessarily set the mood for me. It just—it just it just yeah it just excites me. It's a, a playful distraction to get me into the mood of writing. <laughs> and then I use the the software I use I use Scribner I find it extremely frustrating and complicated but I do use it because it it can come in very handy in terms of arranging my the chapters I know exactly where to go if I want to change something Um, I I title my chapters so it's very easy for me to go back to that title and fix something Uh, I can make notes on it uh, and all that And then then I also use uh, a software called StoryMeal, which I use to do a lot of treatments for for my screenwriting um, and uh, Final Draft.
2: Uh, We'll get to more about the new story in a second, but you mentioned you title your chapters. Do do you do that before you write the chapter?
3: Most of the time, yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I, I, I do. I, I need to title the chapters so that I can stay on theme.
2: But does that not prescribe you to very specifically what's happening in that chapter? If you've called it, I don't know, the car chase, for instance, and it turns out your characters aren't keen to go on a car chase suddenly, does that not uh, kind of push you down a lane that maybe forces your hand a bit?
3: I I think the characters would have told me that they're not going on the car chase before I type the car chase. (laughs) (laughs) you know um, so the prescription is actually what I'm hoping for you know um, I'm, I'm hoping that it gives me the right amount of control and the right amount of um, discipline to stay on theme so it's not about it's not about um, the characters doing what they want to do it's about me staying on point and staying according to the plot um, that's, that's actually been Um, what's the word it's it's actually been predetermined by the previous chapter so characters cannot in the next chapter tell me that they're not ready for a car chase because I should have known that in the previous chapter (laughs) in a sense you know so that's how I feel about it. It, it can be, it can it can come across to some of my colleagues as prescriptive, but I think for someone like me, I need the discipline to say this is what I chose to achieve here. Now I can finish writing it, and it doesn't work. Then that means I maybe have to jettison the t- chapter, or I have to rewrite it and then change the title and all that. But. F- at least for the first draft of that chapter, I said it's the car chase, and by God, it has to be the car chase. I go to bed anytime from between 8 and 9 p.m. My alarm is set for 3.30 a.m. I wake up at 3.30 a.m. I have some kind of meditation or scroll through my social media, Um, And then I am up at four on the dot. And then I would um, have some coffee and get straight to it. I have two hours exactly to write. And I would write nonstop for two hours or two and a half hours if it's really working. Uh, In that two hours or two and a half hours, I tend to put in anything from between 2,000 to 2,500 words which is generally the, the the length of most of my chapters. And then I would get up, um, dress, and I would take a walk, usually about three kilometers to my gym. I would gym for 30 minutes and I would walk back, and then i get ready for my day job. That is my routine. Now, when I get to the editing phase or I get to a particular part where I feel as if I'm running behind, that's when I would take an Airbnb or I would, um, basically I would separate myself and go on a writer's retreat, <laughs> but it's only me, right? And if I go on a Friday and I come back on a Sunday or a Monday, I guarantee that I would write nonstop and I would take a break for sleep for an hour or two, then continue working nonstop. But that normally happens maybe once in three months or once in maybe two months. Yeah, I would say once in two months, I try to go away and spend three days of doing nothing but writing. And usually the outcome of that would be anything from between 25,000 words to 30,000 words. Uh,
2: uh, Does that tend to be every day of the week, Femi?
3: The nightly one... Mm, not really. I I try to I have I try to do four nights a week. I try to do four nights a week, but there have been times when I've done five nights a week and I've done six nights a week. But typically, I would do uh, three to four nights a week of that.
2: Wow, that's um, that's uh, very planned, very routine. Uh, a few a few questions. Is that? Is that ideal for you? Does it just, it happens that you work best when you're cracking out the words very early in the morning? Or ideally, would you rather be, you know, having the entire day to write these two and a half thousand words at your leisure?
3: I don't know. I've never had the luxury of having the whole day to myself (laughs) to write. I've never had that luxury. I've always had two jobs. I've always had my day job in advertising and I've always had the side hustle, one can say, of writing screenplays or writing the novel or writing radio plays and all that. Um, so I, I've never quite checked it, but I do know that a good writing night is a good working day. And so they sort of feed off each other. If I feel that I've done something really, really good in the middle of the night, I've written a very good chapter, I'm on plot, I'm inspired. Uh, I, I, I work very well during the day. I'm 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 a creative director. I'm, I'm easy for me to motivate my team. I'm excited and all that. And then I close early too, you know. So I would close at um, five six o'clock. Get home, have dinner, chat with the family quickly. I say, okay, guys, remember, I have to work. <laughs> and then I go to bed at that. Like I said, just before nine o'clock. But yes, I think I do work best at night because I. I think I tend to get easily distracted during the day. But in the middle of the night, I know there's no distraction, except the, a, a Netflix, a possible Netflix really good new release.
2: <laughs> um, you're juggling a lot of creative tasks. So writing a novel... Uh, creative directing businesses or you're writing screenplays or radio plays you're doing the marketing how do you well and you're you know waking up very early to write your personal novel how do you keep burnout away how do you make sure that you're not completely flagging and you've just got nothing left to give what do you do to combat that
3: mm, I, I, think, I think I do I do I, I try to arrange my responsibilities and sort of prioritize. Of course, there are times when it gets a bit overwhelming. Uh, I have a very um, understanding wife where that's concerned, you know, where she sort of like, you know, says, okay, be careful now, you're adding on too much or you're not spending enough time with the family or you're not spending enough time at home kind of thing. And... um, so we, I think that's, that's becoming that kind of checks and balance also because my wife is also a creative person. She's a writer too. So she is sort of like quite understanding of it. Um, my children are also creative. I think my son is studying marketing strategy. And um, so he understands the business of advertising, for instance. And uh, my, my youngest son is studying design and user experience. So he also understands that. So I think having your significant others understand what you're doing and you can show results for it also helps to um, encourage you and gives you that impetus uh, when it comes to burnout, I think scheduling rest is very, very important. Actually, scheduling the rest. The same way you schedule the work, you have to schedule the rest, you know. So I'm, I'm learning, for instance, to say next week I will not work or this weekend I will not open my laptop at all. Um so I plan it in advance and I would announce it to all my significant others or announce it to my colleagues in the office that okay, this weekend I'm not available or I'm not even going to answer any emails and things like that. So yeah, but you have to schedule the time to rest. You can't think that you can't think that rest will just happen. You just have to schedule the time to rest. You know, so during the time of rest it allows me to be able to say no to some gigs sorry, I don't have the time um, or I'm not available at this particular time or you can't block out that particular time or you postpone that engagement or you ask for an uh, extension of a deadline. But I I think I've learned over time now that burnout does happen and it can be quite um, devastating, especially to a writer if if you're not expecting it. So it's always best to sort of like plan so that you don't have that burnout.
2: You mentioned your family there. How do you feel about putting so much energy into your own work? So, you know, you're you're waking up very early, you've got a very busy day, and then you get home and you've pretty much got time for a bit of food before you need to say, all right, guys, chat soon, I'm going to bed. And then when you're behind, you need to take time away from them and you you go to a lodge to, to write. How do you feel about kind of taking yourself away from quality family time in order to work
3: on your own projects? It's not easy. Uh, That's a very very profound question. It's not easy. And I think most writers will tell you that it's a balancing act. Um, Those of us that are blessed with supportive families, we don't take it for granted. Um, So it's painful. Um, When I grow away, especially... Um, it's usually encouraged by my wife because she can already see the agitation of me being behind. And she knows that if I go away, it's, I'll, I'll come back a bit more relaxed and more present in a sense. So, um, and when I'm away, I miss them. And I think missing them is almost like, the, um, this pain is a motivation to say, "Okay, I'm here for three days. I'm missing my family. I'm paying for this accommodation. I have to get it done." <laughs> you know, so I turn the pain and the missing to some kind of motivation, and it helps. And uh, yeah, but it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't take it for granted at all. And there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of missed special moments that um, that I've lost. I can't get it back. Uh, but I'm also maybe a bit blessed now because my kids are not kids anymore. Um, so we do have a lot of quality time, me exchanging my work with them because they are that age, me talking about my plot points. Sometimes they give me ideas about, you know, that, don't you think you should write this kind of story kind of thing? Um Yeah. So they're but, not kids anymore and they're not at home. And when they're at home, um, That quality time has already been planned for the holiday.
2: We're back with more from Femi in just a second. Now over on our Patreon page, I've just put up the first ever video book review in a new series that I'm going to do. So if you'd like to uh, put a face to the voice and have a peek at what I've been reading recently and even get a little cameo from my cat Tiggy, get to patreon.com forward slash writer's routine. And for that, you don't just get book reviews every now and then. You get merch, bonus content. There is even a way for you to sponsor the show all by supporting us. All of that whilst knowing that you are helping this show carry on with as many fantastic authors as I can uh, pester to come and chat to you, uh, sharing tips and advice that hopefully can help and change the way that you write. To help this, keep on keeping on, do pledge over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash writersroutine. And as I say, we've got that new book review video on there too, so you can have a little gander at what I've been reading recently and maybe get some tips on that too. To make that happen, just a few dollars a month, it really helps us carry on, doesn't require a lot. I am very thankful for anything that you can sling over to me at patreon.com forward slash writersroutine. Let's get back to it with Femi Coyote then chatting through his new novel, Gaslight. It's the second in the Philip Taiwo Why Done It series. You can hear why he's interested in the why rather than the who and the what. Also what he's learned from many different careers and studies in many different places and how all and how through all of that, he's perfectly happy with who he is and where he is and what he's doing now. And we get back to it hearing what he does when the words won't come and well, it's a classic tip.
3: I walk five kilometers every day, five to six kilometers every day. Um, So I do walk a lot and that staves away the writer's block because when I'm walking, I have, I'm either listening to music or I am recording my thoughts while I'm walking in the morning. So that helps. Um, so I usually record the next day's writing while I'm walking, so I would literally just turn on my voice notes and I would just you know ramble on to myself and It really helps to um yeah to clear my mind you know about the plot point or about a character issue, but in terms of when there is a writer's block or when there is a time when the words are not flowing, and that happens surprisingly a lot. Um, my wife taught me something that I thought was very, very, it's had been very helpful. She calls it constructive procrastination. And it means that the reason why the words are not coming is because there is a tiny issue that the brain needs to sort out, let it sort it out. So I don't force it. I put my hands up and I would do everything else I love cooking Um, I would walk I love cooking a lot so I think cooking is my most um, my most uh, stressless way of what's the word of not worrying about the problem so then I would just do something else and constructively procrastinate until I get to this edge, when I know that the deadline is like very close, or I've talked about it to the point whereby there is no way words have to come out. And then, secondly, and I think that's very important, is the pressure of the perfect word. I don't put myself under the pressure of the perfect word. I, 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 I first of all, start out telling the story. As it is unfolding in my heart, and then the perfect word is usually at the editing phase, which is a very, very practical, very, very structured process. Uh, but in the early stage where you're being very creative and you're letting ideas come into your head, and the words are not flowing, one of the things that I've learned to do is actually just put nonsense on the on, on the on the screen and just. Don't put the pressure of the perfect sentence. Don't put the pressure of the perfect word. You know, uh, I mean, I have been know when those things happen. To forget the name of, of a main character and I write, uh, you know who? <laughs> I'm working, you know, because yeah. And sometimes I, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would just write. I don't put myself. I, I truly, truly believe that you cannot critique a blank page. You know, you can't critique a blank page. You can't say the words are not flowing so you have a blank page. You know, the words are not flowing only if you have, you you didn't type anything. You didn't put anything on the something. So I I, I actually don't, yeah, come to think of it, I don't think I believe in writer's block. I don't think so. I think I truly believe that there is a time when the brain tells you, take a step back, sort it out, and come back to the screen when you know what you want to say. But don't think that you have to be perfect because it's only for me at this point.
2: Your history and what you've done has placed yourself in different cultures, right? You studied at the University of East Anglia Creative Writing School. You trained in clinical psychology in in Nigeria. Uh, Now you are in Namibia. So how do you think that mix of different place and cultures, how much does that affect the ideas that you have and the stories you tell?
3: I think it, everything adds together. I, I, I embrace every part of myself and all the opportunities that those experiences, the education, the interactions with different people from different parts of the world uh, and studying different things. You know, I, I studied sciences in my undergraduate, animal science. I, I studied Clinical psychology because I, lo- I loved the idea of understanding how the human mind works. Um, uh, I'm in business and all that, so there are many parts to me, but I don't think that I, I use all of them concurrently or simultaneously. You know what I mean? I think what I need comes to me when I need it. You know what? What experience I need to apply comes to me when I need it, but um, all of them are, have bearing on who I am and the kind of stories I tell and my ability to understand. um, Say, for instance, research, for instance. It's easy for me to understand research because I have a science background. Um, And then going to to, uh, creative school to have an MA in creative writing, I think also helped me to be able to be structured and... um, to have a sense of accountability, to be part of a creative community. Um, And I don't take it lightly. So all of these things come together to help me to be who I am. So I'm sort of like, just out in that case. I know I'm I'm more than the sum of my parts and I embrace it completely. Sometimes it's exhausting, (laughs) but I don't think I would do it any other way because I like who I am now. I really like who I am now.
2: Well, in that, are you... Are you settled in what it is you want to do and what you want to be like you've you've taken on so many different tasks and challenges and and work loads uh, there's clearly a lot of creative energy burning there are you Are you happy and settled with what it is you are and the path that you're on?
3: I think so I think for the first time in a very long time, I can actually call myself a writer, an author, and I think that's what I want to do um, more full time. And I think I'm ready for that now. Um, I think all the life, all the, how do I put it? All the experiences that I've had, they've simmered enough now for me to say, um, I can confidently call myself a writer um, and that I tell stories through words and I can make a living with it without, you know, spreading myself too thin. So I'm hoping that in the next year or two, I, I should be able to, you know, narrow down my efforts and my um, activities to be more focused towards writing. Um, hopefully, some teaching. I like teaching, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, and have some fun. And spend more time with the family, traveling, and um, maybe reaping the benefits or the rewards of all that eighteen-hour work day. (laughs) That's what came into my brain because I wanted to tell a story where the victim had agency. I wanted to tell a story where the victim, though not physically present in the story, is very much alive in through the plots kind of thing. That's number one. Number two is that I always wondered what would happen if I put an investigator in a situation where they are trying to, whereby the victim is the one that does not want the investigator to find out the truth.
2: So this is the why done it aspect of it. How much, because this is uh, when, when I was asked to interview you, it was, this is a why done it, not a who done it, a why done it, which is something a little bit different. Why did that side of things really interest you to write these stories?
3: I like rise. I don't, I don't believe in who and what. I think it's, I mean, to each his own, but they don't excite me finding out who the killer is. Then what? Um, finding out who did it, then what, you know. Um, I like the idea that why allows me to be able to explore the idea of context. Um, it gives me it, it it fits the psychologist in me because it allows me or gives me the the yeah, it gives me the the material. It gives me a rich level of materials for me to explore the human mind uh, and why people do what they do. Because I think that when we start to understand why, then our level of empathy increases and our level of understanding increases. And there's a huge motivation to fix things at a systems level rather than at an individual level. Because if we just if we just if we just catch the criminal. And the case is over, then what next? Then we have to catch the next criminal. but if we fix the dark alley, if we put street lights in the dark alley, if we put cameras you know in the in the train in, in the tube station, then we're addressing it at a fundamental systemic level so for me, why is a rich place to find stories and to effect change.
2: This story is, is crime, it's detective work, written through a Nigerian lens. Just for me and a good proportion of our listeners who won't be completely familiar with Nigerian culture, what, what does that mean? How, how is a story, a crime story, affected by being put through a Nigerian lens for you?
3: I'm Nigerian. <laughs> you know, I can I can't write a crime story in Scotland. I can't write a crime story in in New York. I don't live there. I'm not American. Um, does it
2: change anything for me though is, 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 is I guess what I mean? How much is is putting it seeing it through that uh, place and that culture? How much does it change the typical things we come to expect from crime stories?
3: I would like to think it has has affected how people, at least how people see um, stories that are coming from the continent, especially from Nigeria. We have some really, really amazing writers that have come before us, and even younger ones now that have made some really exciting things. But in terms of the crime fiction space, I think the idea that I'm exploring the why is something that... I think allows for greater understanding of how we got to be where we are as a post-colonial um African country. Um and and I think the people are responding to that. And people are saying, okay, I, I, I feel that I'm I, I learn a lot more than what I get from mainstream media. Um I, I get it now why you people are so loud because I didn't know that your population was so much, <laughs> you know. Um, I get it now, you know, when people talk about the Lagos traffic, I get it now, I understand it now, you know, and so that now people get a bit more context and they can appreciate the crime story a bit more. So it's not just about the story itself, but it's also just this immersion in a, in a culture. The very same reason why I would read a crime novel from from Iceland, for instance. So I like the idea that we are now able to tell our stories in a way that pulls people from other cultures and other countries uh, um, into that world in an immersive manner. And I think that's what we're doing differently than um, in, the, in the space of the wide on It or the contextual crime story or the social crime story is that it allows us to, sh- to reflect ourselves to ourselves but to show us to the readers outside of our cultural um, geographical boundaries to say this is who we are
2: so much to Femme Coyote for coming on the show the new novel is Gaslight and it is out right now Uh, we are back next week with a brand new author sharing their routine for us Uh, in the meantime make sure you support us over at patreon if you can patreon.com forward slash writer's routine just popped a brand new book review video uh, so you can see what I've been reading recently get some tips and recommendations over on there also, you can get 10% off Plotter. If you get to go.plotter.com routine, give us a follow on X. We are at Writerspod there. We're on TikTok, we're on Instagram. There's so much in 2023, isn't there? Also, you can get in touch with us. I use the contact page at writersroutine.com. And I will see you next week with a brand new author on the show. Until then, bye-bye.